It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the show. A lot to get to on this weekend edition. We're going to catch up with Damian Sordelette. He is the beat writer covering Liberty Athletics, particularly Liberty Football, who BYU will face this coming November at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We'll get the lowdown on what the Flames are all about and Hugh Freeze taking over as their head coach there in Lynchburg, Virginia. You'll hear from him in the second and third segments of today's podcast. First segment today, we talk a little BYU basketball or BYU basketball alums taking part in the NBA Summer League going on starting on Monday, July 1st, and then continuing on through the most of the month in Las Vegas, etc. So we'll run down the players participating in that and a head-to-head matchup to kick things off between two former BYU basketball players. And we'll also get to our Holy War Player Countdown series. We're profiling Atunaisa Mahe, a defensive lineman wearing number 62 as we are 62 two days away from the BYU-Utah rivalry game. Crazy. Just over two months away. Get excited, people. It's coming quick. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast brought to you today by our good friends at Twillery. We'll tell you what they're offering our listeners here in a moment as well. So let's get to it. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for June 28th, 2019. Alright guys, I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download the show. Let's start off with some BYU basketball news and notes. Guys that maybe aren't necessarily, yeah, they're not on the BYU roster currently, but they are BYU basketball alums, and they are taking part in the NBA Summer League beginning on Monday, July 1st, and continuing on through the month with both the kind of the smaller summer leagues, one here in Salt Lake City, of course, with four teams. There's one in California. But three BYU alums participating in Summer League, which will also continue on into the big Las Vegas Summer League, the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Eric Mika is going to compete for the Sacramento Kings Summer League roster in the California Classic and the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas. Uh, He joins Jimmer Fredette, who will play for the Golden State Warriors in the Summer League, and also uh, Elijah Bryant playing for the Milwaukee Bucks in Summer League. And an interesting note on this is that July 1st, the open of the California Classic Summer League portion well, the Kings and the Warriors are going head-to-head, so Eric Mika will be facing off against Jimmer Fredette in that first game. We'll make sure to track this and see how they do. You hope in Summer League that these guys get a chance to prove what they can do. That's the biggest thing. Is you see a lot of these guys sign up for these Summer League rosters, and then they get one to two minutes in these games. Uh, a lot of these Summer League rosters are featuring draft picks from these teams, and they prioritize the minutes for those guys to really get a look at them, evaluate them. So guys like Amika, Jimmer Fredette, even an Elijah Bryant, who are pros from overseas, may get uh, see their priorities for their teams go to the draft picks these teams have and the guys who are on the G League rosters of those programs rather than rewarding the guys who are from international ranks and 
I'm hoping that isn't the case for all three of these guys, but we'll see how it shakes out for the Cougars. Should be exciting, though. First game of the Summer League in the California Classic, Jimmer Fredette versus Eric Mika. We'll track that game for you, and of course, we'll keep you updated on any news that breaks about these guys throughout Summer League. And here's hoping that all three of them have good showings, all three of them great players. Jimmer uh, seems like a tailor-made fit for what the Golden State Warriors roster needs if he can hit the three at a consistent pace. Elijah Bryant's ability to play two ways as a kind of a bigger wing defender could prove benefits. I think he's hard-pressed to make the Milwaukee Bucks roster, but we'll see. And I think the same thing with Eric Mika. Just with a young and up-and-coming team in Sacramento, be tougher to break in the ranks there. But hopefully they can show something to these other teams and maybe be able to come back stateside, get a two-way contract maybe, and join an NBA team and be able to play here domestically versus playing internationally next year. We'll see how it all shakes out, but we'll track that for you as things progress through Summer League. Uh, before we get to our first break here and welcome in Damien Sordelet uh, to talk about the Liberty Flames, you do need to transition and talk some BYU football. Today is day number 62 as we count you down towards the Holy War. It is coming quick, folks, just about two months away. Today's player profile is Atunai Samahe. He is a redshirt freshman defensive lineman from West Jordan High School in West Jordan, Utah, six foot one, 307 pounds, and that 307 pounds is rock chalk full of muscle. I can tell you that much. I saw Mahe play in high school, and he was an absolute rock. He played for West Jordan High School, like I said, served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints from in Nuku'alofa, Tonga, and he came back last year, redshirted the year, got his body back in shape. And the reason why I say he is just a rock solid 307 pounds is because he's the top heavyweight lifter in 2015, 2015 excuse me in high school this is a kid whose height belies his ability as a football player. I know a lot of people like to see a guy like a Kairos Tonga who's six foot four, six foot five, three hundred and thirty pounds and can run like a gazelle. Well, for every one of those guys, you have a guy like Atunaisa Mahe, who is six foot one on a good day. I guess he's probably six feet, he's probably about my height, three hundred and seven pounds, but he has got every bit of the ability of one of those guys who might be taller and more athletic. Strong as an ox. He's going to be able to hold up at the point of attack. He's only going to bolster BYU's depth there along the defensive line. He's probably a year or so away from really being in the two deep for BYU and we'll see if he's able to make an impression in fall camp and move up the depth chart. But having guys like Naisa Mahe in BYU's lineup you can't discount it because of his ability to hold up against the run in particular, and especially in a four-man down front that BYU likes to play, you need defensive tackles who can take on one, two, and three blockers at a time and really tie them up to allow the linebackers and defensive ends to make plays. It's a selfless position a lot of times. You play that nose tackle that nose guard or nose tackle position like a guy like uh, Mahe would play, but you do it for the benefit of your teammates, and I think a guy like Mahe will serve well in that role. Number 62, defensive lineman Atunai Samahe. Best of luck to him this fall as he tries to make a move up the depth chart and really make an impression as a redshirt freshman. All right, we will step aside here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, do need to tell you about today's sponsor on the show, and that is our good friends at Twillery.com. Twillery wants to make stocking up your closet and restocking your shirts in particular as simple as restocking the soda in your fridge. They make it easy, affordable, and the perfect fit guaranteed. Whatever type of shirt you have to wear to work, you have to wear a button-up, you have to wear a dress shirt, Twillery can help you restock 
restock your closet for great prices. They offer access to shirts that their competitors are selling for $100 or more for just $55 per shirt when you do their shop in bundles model. They're not your standard sizing. It's not a small, medium, extra large type of setup. You tell them what your collar size is, your sleeve size, and they send you the right shirt. If it doesn't fit, you send it back. No questions at, free returns. It's a fantastic offer, guys. They also include free brush nickel collar stays included with each of their shirts that you order. I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. The shirts they have sent me, I've absolutely loved them. They have, they're non-iron. They're very comfortable. They're not hot. Right now in the summer, it's 90 degrees outside. I hate the heat. I freely admit that. But these shirts make you feel cool, calm, and collected. So check them out, guys. Twillery.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $25 off your initial order. It's a fantastic offer to our Locked On Cougars listeners, so don't miss out on this. Check it out, twillery.com slash locked on. More in a moment with Damian Sordelet talking Liberty of Flames football. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thanks again for joining us on today's podcast. Pleased to welcome in Damien Sordelet. He covers the Liberty Flames for the news in advance. Damien, how are you? I'm doing well, Jake. Uh, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I, so I told you right before we recorded this, I, I went to go look and see, okay, who covers Liberty? And there was one name that popped up. So I'm glad there's at least one of you out there that's covering Liberty, full time at least. Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun beat. Um, you uh, don't have a lot of competition. Uh, you have the local TV stations, of course, and um, you know an independent website that covers them. But uh, it's uh, a lot of storylines and a lot of fun uh, covering covering that program, especially the rise it is taken with the investments that you know the university has made into the program and how much money they're putting into the facilities. And you know, with the splash you hire a few frees, um, you know, it definitely keeps you on your toes. And there's not many days to rest on. On this beat, yeah. Let's start there. Actually, the investment that Liberty has made. Of course, they're an independent like BYU is. This is a BYU podcast, but the investment they have made in their athletics programs, particularly in football, is actually remarkable. They've put a lot of money in there. What have you made of all of it? Uh, it's uh, they're trying to be a big time player, and it's not. Jerry Falwell Jr., the president of Liberty, um, always refers back to um, what his father has said, uh, the late Jerry Falwell, when he said he wanted Liberty to be um, the equivalent to to Christians as Notre Dame is to Catholics and BYU is to Mormons in terms of having that national brand and prominence. And one of the avenues that he wanted to see um, that national or something in the case international um, footprint is through athletics and so Liberty is making a big investment in athletics as a way to promote itself and get people interested and uh, we've 
if you look at just from the athletic standpoint, uh, they've put in, you know, frankly, I think it's about you know hundred million dollars into the athletic facilities um, within the last ten years. Um, and if you look at football specifically, uh, they spent forty to fifty million dollars just on the latest expansion to Williams Stadium uh, with the East Side. Uh, Upper Deck, a South Colonnade, uh, and then they added a new 3,000-square-foot video board. Um, they've also spent $29 million on an indoor practice facility that is adjacent to the football stadium, and they're currently doing work on the football operations center that won't be completed in time for the August 31st home opener against Syracuse, but will be completed in time uh, for the 2020 season. And so when BYU makes the return trip um, to Lynchburg in a couple of years, that phase will be completed. So they're putting in a lot of money to make this a top-tier program. So when you know you have the recruiting process and you're getting kids in, in there, the facilities will sell the kids to the program, um, especially with how new Liberty is to the FBS scene. BYU harbors ambitions of going to the Power Five. Does Liberty hold similar ambitions? Yes, down the line, uh, Liberty would have does have those ambitions because you want to uh, compete on the national stage if you're Liberty. And uh, when Falwell was talking about making the move to independence, he said having that independent scheduling and being able to fill the entire schedule, you bring in bring in marquee names and he mentioned BYU he mentioned the ACC schools that Liberty has on the schedule in Virginia Virginia Tech North Carolina Duke Wake Forest uh, Syracuse for instance coming up with uh, this home opener this year they're able to bring in these schools uh, because of that schedule flexibility but you're also able to do that um, as many times you want throughout the schedule and he said you don't get to bring those big names in if you're in a conference like, say, the Sun Belt Conference USA. Um, so if you want to attract the big names, Liberty's going to have to keep putting in the investments to get to the point where BYU is, where it's an attractive member into a Power Five conference. And geographically, if you look at the way the Power Fives are structured, Liberty's sort of nestled in there nicely with say the ACC, for instance, the SEC, not too far away from where the Big Ten footprint is. Uh, so Liberty does have the avenues to get there if you're looking from a geographical standpoint, but it's going to take some time to get to that point where Liberty needs to be consistent on a yearly basis like BYU has been uh, for many decades now. And um, it'll take some time to get to the status where BYU is. They, of course, hired Hugh Freeze as their new head coach. He made headlines at Ole Miss doing what he did down there. Uh, did he ever express that the, the investment that Liberty is making in the athletics programs, what has he said about that that attract him to this job when he was looking for his next head coaching gig? He said that was the the biggest selling point for him. Uh, in addition to being a head coach, um, all the reports about him being uh, offered uh, offensive coordinator positions uh, are true. I mean, when you look at the schools uh, that were interested in him, uh, Florida State's one, Alabama was another because of his relationship with Nick Saban. Uh, Auburn is another as well, where they were interested as well. And Tennessee, um, you know, those are attractive where you can be an offensive coordinator be a little bit in the background after his main media appearances 
and you know everything surrounding his name with what's hap- what happened at Ole Miss, uh, not only with the escorts but also with the recruiting and the failure mm-hmm. to monitor his staff. Um, you know, he would be able to be in the background a bit and build up his resume, and especially if he's able to put up the points and the yards that he's able to put up at Ole Miss. But it was the attraction of being a head coach again at a university that is committed to investing in the football program that really attracted him to it. Because he, he, in the year prior to him being hired, he spoke at the thrice the thrice weekly convocation that Liberty holds. Um, he was able to go there with his wife Jill. He publicly apologized for his indiscretion with the escort there to to the university, to the student body, uh, really connected with them in that aspect, and then was given a tour of all the facilities. So he already had an idea of what they had going on at Liberty, um, and then Liberty was able to vet him. So when Turner Gill abruptly retired at the end of last season, uh, they were able to know that he would be interested, and he already had the background of what Liberty had to offer. They had the background of, you know, kind of vetting him in an unofficial capacity, and it seemed to be a marriage that worked out very quickly. What was the reaction to his his being hired? I would guess that fans are excited because of the high flying offenses he had with Ole Miss, but what was the overall reaction to his hire? The overall reaction on campus was very supportive because of that previous visit on campus where he uh, revealed a lot of what happened um, with the indiscretions in his marriage. Um, he didn't go into detail about all of that, but he, he talked on a human level mm-hmm. to a lot of the students about uh, how he made a mistake, um, how he thought it was a private mistake, and how he had apologized to his wife. Um, about a year prior to everything coming out, that he thought it was a private matter between him and his wife, that he you know, sat down with her, apologized, told her he made a mistake, and you try to own up to it in that way. And he was able to relate to the student body in that way. So when you're talking about like a local reaction to the hire, you know, they, there was positives because they had a chance to interact with him and hear his message. You know, from a national standpoint, it was similar to Liberty's hire of Ian McCall as the athletic director. If you remember the mm-hmm. yeah. scandal with uh, the alleged sexual uh, Assaults from football players um, on campus. Uh, when McCall was hired, and you know his name hadn't been floated around because he wasn't in a, a visit, athletic director position at the time. You know, it, it was very you know fifty fifty on you know do we like people like the hire because of what he did at Baylor. People didn't like the hire because of the nature of which he left Baylor, and that was kind of felt throughout you know the country if you took a national pulse about what happened there um, with freeze it met nationally it was 50 50 because you still had a lot of clouds hanging over him regarding uh, the escort regarding um, recruiting um, but from a local standpoint it was more favorable because he had spoken there before and had an opportunity to talk to the student body about what happened especially from his personal life Awesome. Well, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back on the other side with Damian Sordelet. Talk a little bit more in detail about what Hugh Freeze will have to work with on the roster, etc. That's all coming up next right here on Locked On Cougars. The 
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Cougars. A reminder for you guys, when you guys are out and about making your commute to or from work, whatever you got going on, dropping your kids off, make sure you plug in your smart device and tell it to play podcast Locked On Cougars. That way you can stay up to date with all the latest in BYU news. We are continuing on here with Damian Sordelet. He covers Liberty Athletics and he's the foremost authority in my mind considering I couldn't find anybody else who necessarily covered Liberty, the Liberty Flames. But Damian... I mentioned before the break, we wanted to talk a little more in depth about what Hugh Freeze will have to work with on this roster. Offensively, which is what he's built his career on, it appears that he has his triple-headed monster that Turner Gill had a year ago back for their senior seasons. Is that the triumvirate of Frankie Hickson, Stephen Calvert, and Antonio Gandy-Golden, kind of the three-headed monster that should lead Liberty again this season? Yeah, I would think so. And with Calvert and Gandy Golden, you have a really potent quarterback-wide receiver combo that that is on pace to break several Liberty records. Calvert's already done it um, in his first three years, and Gandy Golden's well on his way to rewriting the record books. Uh, in the running back room, it will be a little interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Hickson eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark last year, but he had to have left knee surgery over the offseason. He wasn't able to to participate fully in the spring practices. Uh, he did have some light walkthroughs, so he's familiar with verbiage and kind of the holes and reads he needs to make, but he isn't up to the live speed nature now. Uh, he'll get that opportunity in the camp prior to the season opener, uh, but right now he's kind of behind like a Josh Mack, a transfer from Maine who in 2017 led the football championship subdivision in rushing yards per game. He's expected to get some playing time. Peyton Pickett, who was the second leading rusher last year, kind of more of a between-the-tackles, uh, bruising power runner, he got a chance to see some sporadic time during pra- during the spring practices while dealing with the shoulder injury. Uh, he had off-season surgery as well. He's expected to get some playing time as well. And then Troy Henderson, a guy who redshirt last year but also dressed at, at with the opportunity to play those four games mm-hmm. if needed. He's kind of a change of pace back. You'll see him used, utilized a lot on the outside. Um, he's a guy who could really come in and make a change of pace back there and someone that they really liked during the spring, especially with his versatility to line up, say, in the slot, line up in um, an H-back uh, position, line up next to the quarterback and be able to do a lot of things to run blocking situations. Um, so Liberty's got its choice of running backs that it could use during the season. Um, Hickson will again get the most most of the workload because he does have the most experience when you look at those four at the top of the depth chart. How similar did this offense look in spring ball to what Hugh Freeze has done previously during his other coaching stops? Uh, it looked very similar, but the, pr- the 
the one thing that will probably be evident early in the season was that he had to do a complete install. There was no one on the roster uh, who had prior experience in his offense or in the type of offense mm-hmm. he likes to run. Um, so they had to do gradual step-by-step install during the spring. And when they thought they were getting ahead of things and they were beginning a little bit more install, uh, they took a step back and they had to scale back the install. Uh, so it, it's going to be, you're going to see bits and pieces of what Freeze has run in the past, at, whether it be at Lambeth, whether it be at Ole Miss, whether it be at Southern, uh, at his other stops. So right now it's just going to be what can they get good, down right now and make sure it's good to go um, for that season opener against Syracuse. So it's going to be interesting to see how well, how quickly they get as much installed as possible. Um, Freeze is going to try to get those running games going, try to see if he can work the clock a bit. Uh, but he's got the big plays ready to go um, for that offense. That was the kind of the marquee thing at Ole Miss. He had big plays lined up ready to go to beat to get big strikes in. Uh, but the tempo and everything else that was shown at Ole Miss where they would try to snap the ball within like five or six seconds after the ball is set, yeah. you'll see that. That's something that they're going to try to really ramp up during the um, camp leading into the season. Uh, but in terms of overall plays and how deep they go in the playbook, um, it'll probably take some time for them to get into that because of how slow the install went during the spring. All right, talking here with Damian Sordelet. He covers Liberty University for the news in advance. Damian, let's flip over to the defensive side of things. I mentioned there's a kind of that three-headed monster on offense. Well, on defense, it appears that Freeze has his kind of his leaders on defense back. Elijah Bench, Benton back, Solomon Ajayi back, and also Jesse, Le, is it Lemonnier? Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. I had 10 sacks. Yeah, Jesse Lemonnier. Lemonnier, okay. Well, it appears, at least on paper, that this Liberty squad should be loaded on both sides of the ball to, in Hugh Freeze's initial season. Yeah, they should be, but you look at what the experience they have coming back on defense. Uh, the defense really struggled um, at times last year. There were some bright spots if you look at the Troy game and you look at the um, FBS finale against New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense has shown it can play well, but consistently wasn't able to put together a lot of strong games. And that came with you know the adjustment of moving up and not having a full complement of FBS caliber athletes. Um, Lemonier is going to be a stud on one of the defensive ends, and the other side is Austin Lewis, who was, you know, Phil Steele named him a freshman All-American last year. He's a six foot six, two hundred forty-five pound defensive end. He he's got some size and he's got some wheels, and he's going to be able to get into the backfield. He really likes Scott Simon's defensive philosophy of getting those defensive linemen in the dirt, um, having their hands, you know, in a three-point stance. I think, you know, we'll see him take a step forward this year there on the defensive end. Um, he's going to be a key point for them because as, if he gets going, you know, with his length and his, the quick first step he has off the line, he'll be able to get into the backfield and make some plays. And so up front, he's a big key. Solomon Ajayi is going to be a big key as well at linebacker with that veteran experience. Him and Brandon Tillman are probably going to expect to play a lot there at linebacker, especially with Tillman moving down from safety. Um, he has the speed, he has the vision, and he has the games played that he can really play well at that linebacker position, especially with how Kyle Pope 
has really worked with those guys. And you mentioned Elijah Benton. You know, he's been a key guy there for the last two plus years at safety, and he really came into his own last year with the ability to really fly to the ball and really not let the speed of the FBS game get to him. He seemed like he adapted really well to that. Um, at cornerback, they're going to have to replace Jeremy Peters, who was probably their most complete lockdown corner um, that they had for the last four years, especially with his physicality, size, and the ability uh, to read passes. Bajor Wilson uh, was their top guy at corner last year in terms of interceptions. Um, he's back, and it's going to be a question of, like, does Malik Matthews on the other side take a step forward and really step up and um, become a good physical cornerback um, who they've envisioned the last several years of being. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Ricky Hunley, the new cornerbacks coach, uh, can get the most out of him. Um, so there's some question marks on defense. you got some solid guys, as you mentioned before, uh, but it's just going to be about making sure that they get up to par with what Scott Simons wants on that end, and they can produce at the level uh, that they need to in order to you know keep the game close for the offense to get going. All right, Damian, is the goal for Liberty this year a bowl game? Yeah, absolutely. They have the tie-in with the Cure Bowl. Um, The caveat with that is uh, they get in if the American Athletic Conference and the Sun Belt Conference cannot fill um, their allotted bowl slots. And for the American, it's seven. For the Sun Belt, it's five. So Liberty's way of getting into that is if they – don't have enough spots to fill. Um, but the goal is to get to seven wins because of two FCS games and be eligible for a bowl game. Uh, so that's what they're hoping to do this year. That's the goal. Hugh Freeze is set. He wants to get this team into a bowl game. Uh, so that way you have the advantage of having the extra practices. You get a lot of these younger guys the experience of playing in a bowl game. And that will only help as you know they head into the 2020 season. Um, so the big key right now is bowl game. Uh, get eligible for that, and if lucky, get to play in that. And then, you know, they can look ahead to the next bowl cycle of 2020-2024, uh, seeing if they can get a few more bowl tie-ins, uh, similar to what BYU has, uh, to try to make sure that they can get a guaranteed spot if they reach bowl eligibility. Awesome. Well, Damian, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Great info on Liberty. We'll catch up with you as the season gets closer and that game with BYU and Liberty gets a little bit closer as well, okay? All right, Jake, I appreciate you having me on. There you go. That's Damian Sordelet covering the Liberty Flames. and It was a fantastic interview, some great info on what Liberty's offering, and I'm very intrigued with what Liberty and Hugh Freeze are going to be able to do. They've got a lot of their top talent back this year. Their goal is to make a bowl game this year, and they're going to be coming to Provo with something to prove. Anybody who's watched Hugh Freeze's offense during his time as a coach knows it's a high-flying offense, and if he's able to get that implemented, he's going to have some players that can put up some stats for him this year, and we'll see how it shakes out, but very interesting to hear about the investment that Liberty's making in athletics, uh, their ambitions to be a Power 5 team. They very much, yeah, they want to be the BYU for members of the church. They want to be the Notre Dame for Catholics. They want to do that for evangelical Christians, and I don't. I think that's an admirable goal. Anybody who's a BYU fan understands what BYU stands for, and I think it's admirable that Liberty's trying to do that for that uh, 
version of Christianity, and I think that's great. Anyways, we'll be tracking these these teams for you going forward. We have Utah State next week. Hoping to have Gary Anderson, Utah State head coach, on the podcast. We'll talk about the Aggies. Uh, can BYU bounce back, or what are the Aggies going to be showing the Cougars when they play in a rare November showdown? They usually play in late September, early October, but now it's going to be a November showdown. We'll talk about that next week on the podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. It's been a blast. A lot of news this week with the AAC rumors. We'll be sure to track that for you going forward and also stay tuned throughout the weekend we have these player profiles each and every day we're truly going every day with this podcast this summer as we get player profiles they're little bonus additions as we profile the player who's on the roster corresponds with the day we count down to BYU football so we'll have day number 61 tomorrow and we'll just continue counting down until BYU BYU and Utah kick things off thanks again for joining us on today's podcast please subscribe rate and review follow the show on the various podcast platforms you're catching it on. Give us that good rating and review. We really do appreciate you guys taking the time to do that. It's a blast to bring this to you guys each and every day. We'll catch you on the flip side, maybe tomorrow, maybe Sunday, and particularly, hopefully, on Monday in particular. But we'll be catching you up on everything going on with BYU as we kick off July and get ready for fall camp at the end of the month. We'll be tracking it all for you right here on Locked on Cougars. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day